Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke as we continue our studies. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17 this morning. Luke chapter 13, verse 10 to 17. And Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by spirit. And she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, There are six days in which you, sorry, there are six days in which you, in which work should be done, so come during them and get healed, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said this, all his opponents were being humiliated. I love that present continuous tense. (laughs) And the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. Isn't that fantastic? But the question remains for you and I, do you and I suffer from religious blindness? You ask me, so what does that look like? Well, I'll give you a little indication. I'm okay, Jack. I've been saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I come to church every single Sunday, unlike some people who stay away from any old reason. I even bring my Bible. I don't go to the shops on Sundays. I don't even buy a lotto ticket. The ultimate. What a good boy am I. Have you told anyone about Jesus Christ? Well, no. Have you explained the gospel message to a family member or to a colleague? Uh, no. Have you even invited one of your friends to church? No. But at least I'm okay. Don't come and disturb me in my little religious box. Let me do my religion in peace. Oh, and by the way, please don't let any sinners into this place. That would just get too uncomfortable. Let's keep church for the good people like me. Is that you in some aspect? Might not be all of it, but is there something there? You see, no wonder our society sees church and Christians as irrelevant. Jesus addresses religious blindness in this man who was supposed to have brought people to spiritual sight, a a leader in the synagogue. And Jesus notes when he does it, he deliberately does it on the Sabbath day. 
while this leader is in full religious mode. So let's see what happens. What's all about the Sabbath? What's the purpose of the Sabbath? I want you to turn with me to the fourth commandment that's way back in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 20. Let's turn there together. And follow with me in Scripture this morning as we look at this important topic. This topic which gets neglected today. This topic that each one of us needs to hear about. How do we keep the Lord's Day? Which started way back here as the Sabbath. The fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20 and verses 8 to 11. Exodus 20 verse 8 to 11. This is what it reads. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner, the traveller, who stays with you. For in six days, here's the reasoning why, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we see from that that the Sabbath, the seventh day was a holy day, set apart to the Lord. Specifically, if you look at the history of the Old Testament there and Israel, to get together on that day to worship Almighty God. It's specifically set aside to do that. Now, is every day supposed to be a set aside day to the Lord? Yes, it is. But there is a specific day set apart to worship the Lord corporately, to get together and to worship Him. In the Old Testament, they met together on the Sabbath day, the seventh day, the Saturday. And in the New Testament, after the resurrection, the believers started to meet on the first day of the week, the Sunday. But one specific day set apart for a very specific purpose. And I already hear some voices, but what about Christian freedom? You see, some people say, no, we don't have to meet together with other believers on the Sunday because under Christian freedom, I can meet on any day and worship the Lord. And so they'll meet on a Wednesday and a Thursday and they'll just kind of meet with God on the golf course. They do, they say that. Or go for a walk along the riverbank and I can worship the Lord there. That's my Sabbath. The Lord says there is a day set specifically apart when I want you to gather together to glorify God and to worship Him together. Jesus taught about this in the New Testament, Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He said this, listen to these words. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What does He mean by that? Well, in other words... The Sabbath is there to meet the needs of people. Now, I'm going to qualify what I'm saying here, so please don't walk out yet. Alright? The Sabbath is there to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. What do I mean by that? You see, you should be saying, hang on, hang on. Is the Sabbath all about me and my needs? No, that's not what I mean there. But we have needs in us which can only be fulfilled 
and only be brought about and only be satisfied by getting together as God's people on His day and worshipping Him together. We have needs built into us that can only be satisfied by that. You see, the Sabbath is supposed to be God-centered, not man-centered. So what are some of these needs? Well, let's look at them. We need, firstly, to worship the Lord together. We do. We need that. And as we do, our spiritual batteries are charged. And you might say to yourself, well, my spiritual batteries can get charged if I stay at home and listen to a sermon on the internet. Well, they, they, you, you get a half charge. But for the full charge, you need to be together with God's people because there's a way that God blesses us, that He's promised us, that when we are together worshipping Him, He blesses us in a special way as His people. And so we gather. We want to be blessed by the Lord. Don't you want to be blessed by the Lord? I need that charge in my life. My batteries need a full charge. And so we meet together as God's people. And so, no, you can't be charged just by lying in bed on a Sunday and having a bit of a sleep in. And no, you can't have your batteries charged by lying on the beach on a good sunny Sunday and roasting there. We need to worship the Lord together. The Apostle Paul brought that out later. Listen to these words, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. Listen carefully. This is what Paul says. Let us consider how to stir up one another. He doesn't end there, by the way. Because sometimes that's all that happens at some churches. People get stirred up for the wrong reasons. No, he says, get together so that you can stir up one another, what? To love. Stir up one another to do good works. Not neglecting to meet together. There's a problem, you see. Because some people are neglecting to meet together on the Lord's Day. You look on a sunny day how the church attendance generally in the world will decline. Why? Because the sun's shining. It's nice to be out there. He says, don't neglect to get together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching near. You see, it's urgent as well. We need to be getting together every single moment we can, given to us on this day, to encourage each other to love, to do good works. Why? Because He's coming. There's work to be done. We need to be helping each other in there. We need to have our batteries charged by the Lord so that we can be out there doing His work. Do you see the reason why it's important to be here on a Sunday morning? To get together in obedience to the Lord. What other needs do we have? Well, we do need to rest from our weekly labors because, I don't know about your week, but sometimes the week can be really tough. Some of you even work on Saturdays. Some even work on Sundays. We do need to rest. God has given us this day to come and worship Him together and then to rest. Now, when I was growing up, my dad, bless him, took it a little bit to an extreme. We had to go to our bedrooms after church and stay there till about 3.30 and you didn't hear a peep, otherwise you got a hiding. So that's why I'm such a respectable fella. You see, that's going too far. We are to worship the Lord 
by resting so that we can be strengthened for the task that starts again the next morning. So you need to rest on the Sabbath. It is not a time to do everything else that you haven't caught up with in the rest of the week. That's for Saturday. And if you can't get it done on Saturday, reorganize your week, but don't leave it for Sunday morning. We need to be honoring the Lord by resting on that day. He's given it to us. We already get pushed so far by employers. We already get pushed so far by the demands of life. We need to take time out with the Lord and rest. We need to use the time too to spend with our family, to spend with our friends, to spend with our unbelieving friends. Why? So that we can live the gospel to them. So that we can speak the gospel to them on that day. It's a special day that's been given to us to use for God's glory. What do we do? Get behind the lawnmower, up and down, mindless. We need to use the time for the sake of the gospel. Why? You see, there's a reason here. There's a reason. It is so that God would be glorified. That's the reason I spend this one specific day in this specific way, is to give God glory. He's given us this one day in seven so that we can glorify Him specifically through it. Right, I've covered what's the Sabbath. Now we can get to what happened in the text, right? So what happens? What do we find the Lord doing on the Sabbath day? We find Him firstly, if you look in your text there, He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Now, Luke records the last instance in the Gospels where Jesus teaches in a synagogue. From here on, He's going to the cross. And so here we find Jesus teaching on the Sabbath day. You see, we need to be getting together to hear God's Word expounded authoritatively. God speaking to us through His living Word so that we can be changed. That's one of the reasons we get together here. To sit under the authority of God's Word so that we can be challenged, we can be fed, so that we can then go out and do His work. And so, no, it's not just a time of social interaction and catching up with my friends. It's not just a time of, what's the new word now? Connectivity in the church. It's not just a time of awesome worship. It is a time to sit under God's Word and hear it as His Spirit works in us. What else does Jesus do? And as Jesus was busy preaching, He must have noticed this woman sitting in the back with the other woman because men and women sat separately. She obviously came in late because He notices her and calls her forward. Now some people have said, that's a bit heartless. Here's this deformed woman who is bent over double Some say, if when they look at this case, doctors, I'm no doctor, I'll tell you that now, that she had a case of arthritis of the spine, or if you want to get technical now, uh, Besteru's disease or Strumpel's disease, they seem to say that's what it was, but no one can say it was that. And she'd had it for 18 years. Now she's more faithful than I would have been. If I had something like that for 18 years, I wonder if I would have still been coming to church. But here comes this woman, and as Jesus is expounding, as he's teaching, he notices her. He stops, and he calls her forward. Now there would have been a hushed sense of expectancy in that place. Because what's Jesus going to do? We've seen him done doing many things. What's he going to do to this woman? He calls her to him. 
He knew what he was going to do. And what does he do? He speaks words of freedom over her and then he lays his hands of healing on her and immediately she is straightened up. Isn't that an amazing instance? Right there in front of the people. I wish I could do that here. I wish the Lord had in His grace allowed me to have someone who was bent over double permanently to raise up so you can see what I mean. But you're going to have to work with me in your, in your minds now. This is what happens here. Can you see... Can you see that place? What would the normal reaction have been of people? I would have been in tears. If I had seen that, I would have been bawling my eyes out. What is her reaction? She glorifies God. Praise the Lord. Look at what, look what just happened to me. And she praises the Lord. That's her response. Isn't that the role of the Sabbath? We have to praise the Lord in His place that He's given us. But unfortunately, there's another man there and he looks at this whole wondrous happening and how does he respond? In contrast, he doesn't lead them in a doxology of praise. Praise God. No, he doesn't do that. He says, how dare you? Jesus, how dare you heal on the Sabbath? And then he speaks to the people and he says, he shouldn't be doing this. You see, he's not speaking to Jesus directly. He's appealing to the people. Bit of a coward too. You shouldn't be coming to this place to be healed on the Sabbath. Come in the rest of the week. There's plenty of time to get healed. You see, he's missing the wood for the trees. No wonder Jesus breaks out at him. He's missing the whole purpose of the Sabbath. This man was more in bondage than this woman. He was in bondage because his mind was shackled and his heart was tied up with his religious rules. So what is Jesus' response? As Jesus always responds, You hypocrites! You see, Jesus has been teaching for all this time. In front of all these people, these religious leaders had seen him. They'd seen the wondrous things that he'd done. They'd heard the good news that he'd preached. That he'd come to bring salvation. He'd come to, br- to bring freedom to those who were bound. He'd come to bring forgiveness to those who were filled with sin. He'd said that from his first time in the synagogue till he's now in his last time in a synagogue. And yet here was this religious leader who still hadn't accepted this message, who was still rejecting it. And there are many in our churches today who still do the same. We've heard the gospel Year in, year out. You've heard me saying this year in, year out as well. And yet we still do not respond to the gospel message. You would still sit here unsaved by the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you hypocrite. You look after your animals better than you do the people. You see, they had this rule. And the religious leaders had many rules. Uh, There were many. Just 250 of the closest ones, but then they actually extended those rules as well. And one of the rules they had with work was that you are not allowed to work on the Sabbath. They took this Sabbath commandment and they took it to its nth degree. And so they would not be allowed to do work of any kind except they tied a piece of string or rope to the house because you're not allowed to walk more than 200 feet or, uh, sorry, 2,000 feet away from your home. Alright? Which is one of the rules. And so they tied this piece of rope to the house. 
and then take it in their hand, get the donkey, because the donkey needed water, right? Can't go thirsty for a whole Sunday. And so they'd get this rope, walk their 2,000 feet, let go of the rope, now they've left home, and then still take the donkey for water, because now they're keeping inside the 2,000 feet, away from home. Do you see how they were bending the rules? Crazy. Jesus says to them, you take your donkey for water, you take your ox for water, you bend the rules that your animals will live, and here comes this woman, a daughter of Abraham, and you will not allow her to be healed on the Sabbath? You hypocrite! You see his point? I love that phrase he uses, you daughter of Abraham. You see, what he was saying through that phrase, and if you look at the other way, places that it's used, um, Luke chapter 16, verse 22, we see the poor man in Lazarus. The poor, Jesus tells, the, the, the story is told where the, the, the poor man dies, the rich man dies, the poor man's taken into the bosom of Abraham, that phrase. Okay? It spoke about, he is saved. He is there in the bosom of Abraham. Zacchaeus, Luke 19, verse 9, it says that this evil little man who came to the Lord in repentance, he, was, he became a son of Abraham that day. Do you hear the phrase again? And then if you look in um, the last passage, Galatians 3, 7, you can look these up, I'll put them in the notes there for you. Galatians 3, 7, it speaks that those who come to faith become sons of Abraham. And here Jesus uses this phrase, this daughter of Abraham has been brought to salvation. She was one who was caught up in a sin, and it wasn't just a normal sickness. He says very specifically, and he's the son of God, he'll know, this was done by the work of Satan. He brings her and he releases her from that, and she's saved. She's the daughter of Abraham. He's not speaking about her being Jewish. That's just part of it. That's a small bit. She is freed. I have freed her. The Son of Man has done this. On the Sabbath day. And as Jesus points us out, and it's made so clear to all the people, it's very, it says there in the text, Jesus' opponents were humiliated, including this man. And the crowd, they suddenly saw what should have happened. And they respond in rejoicing because of what God had done. It was very short-lived rejoicing because soon after that they'd want to crucify him. But they rejoiced because they saw Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, in action. And they give God glory. On the Sabbath day. That's what it was made for. Every Sabbath should have been like that for these people. They should have been experiencing God at work right in front of them. And they had, but they'd rejected it. And so when we get back to the original statement, how is the gospel distorted by religion? How is it distorted by religion even today? Well, I want to put this to you. The gospel presents grace, unmeasured, and freedom from the bondage of sin and rules that have to be kept for someone to be made right with God. Isn't that what the gospel is? There is freedom in Jesus Christ. You do not have to keep rules to be made right with God. To be made right with God, you come into a right relationship with Him. And then you live lives of obedience. That's how grace works. And it comes on us freely. How does religion work? Religion says... There are more rules to keep 
There are more rules to keep and there's less and less grace at work. You see the difference? So we need to ask ourselves the so what question. We've seen this passage. There's the application. Now how do I bring that to us here? There's four points I want to bring to you. I want you to listen really carefully. Because the first one might have to do with whoever stands in this pulpit. Listen. You are the church. You are responsible for who you put here. Check our message. Whoever stands in this pulpit, are we proclaiming the gospel or religion? The moment a person starts proclaiming religion, you take him by the scruff of the neck, you put him outside and you say, please don't visit again. As a leader, don't visit again. Are we proclaiming the gospel message? You see, it's not just Satan who bows people down. Sin bows people down too. Sin makes us bow low. The psalmist said it this way. He said, I'm troubled. I'm bowed down greatly. Do you see? It's just bowing him down. Sorrow bows us down, doesn't it? If you've been sorrowful over a situation, the psalmist says it again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Can you see him straight up saying that? No. He was bent over. And we need to be proclaiming the gospel message that helps people to stand up again. Suffering bows people down. Psalm 44. My soul is bowed down to the dust. Can you see that picture? We have the gospel message that Jesus saves, that He brings sight to the blind, that He brings freedom to those who are, that He brings freedom to those who are in bondage of sin. That's what we should be proclaiming from this pulpit. That's what you and I, as individuals, should be proclaiming in our daily lives. Freedom from sin through Jesus Christ. But are we, or are we putting out gospel there? Are we putting out religion there? Which is just rules. You need to do this, do that, do this, do that to be a Christian. You see, Jesus said this too, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do we present people with abundant life through Jesus Christ? Do we explain and live out the grace available through Jesus Christ to people we come into contact with? Do we make His offer of salvation to people so that they come to Jesus Christ and have their sins forgiven? Or do we steal the message from them by just being religious? And all they see is a religious person. We are stealing the gospel from people. If you hear this morning, I'll put it to you again. Do you need Jesus Christ? Are you tied up by your own sins? Are you not in a living relationship with Jesus Christ? Then come to Him this morning and be saved. The gospel message has come to you again. Will you again turn away from it? The second point of application is this. Are we so busy with being religious that we miss what Jesus is doing? What do I mean by that? You see, for a whole year, this past year, we've been hearing message after message after message. And Jesus has been pointing things out in our lives through His Spirit. And the question is this, what have we as a church been doing about it? Have we taken heed of that message? Have we put it into practice as a church collective? 
and as individuals before Him, have you put into practice some of the things that He's asked you to do in your life? Because if not, you are exactly like this religious leader. You're not seeing Jesus at work because you don't want to. Are we so busy with being religious that we miss what Jesus is doing? You see, He wants us to live such lives that He can, that he can glorify Himself, not just in us, but through us. And we need to be doing that in obedience to Him. Don't get too busy to see what Jesus is doing. Thirdly, have we become so heartless and compassionless as Christians? Isn't that what that man was? He was a heartless, compassionless leader. Here a woman was healed in front of his very eyes and all he can see are his rules. Tell me this morning, do you still see the lost? When you move about your workplace, when you move about this little Wanganui of ours, when you go on holiday, do you still see the lost around you? Or are you so tied up with your activities? Am I so tied up with my activities as a pastor that I do no longer see the lost? Do you still have eyes to see the lost? Do we still get out there? Do we still get out in our church and feed the hungry? Do we still meet needs? Do we still visit the sick? Do we still encourage the downhearted? Because if we don't, we are so caught up in our business that we are not seeing Jesus Christ. We are exactly like that man. Are you active for the Lord? Maybe you have a disabled spirit this morning, which needs the enabling of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, do we use the church, do we use the Sabbath, or this one special day God has given to us, the Lord's Day, to God's glory? Do we use it to God's glory? Do we worship together? Lately I've been seeing, and I'm speaking pastoral heart now, the church has been empty at times. And I ask myself, is it because I'm preaching the gospel and people don't want to hear? Or is it because people are staying away because other things are happening? We need to get together to worship together. As Paul said, don't get into the bad habit of not doing this. We need to sit under the preaching of God's Word. We need to be challenged. We need to be recharged so that we can serve the Lord in the week. We need to be getting together here and spurring each other on. We are not going to speak rugby. We are not going to talk cricket. We are, when we get together, we are here to spur each other on, to encourage each other to do the walk. We are there to meet each other's needs. Or do we become easily sidetracked by the norms of society? By everything that society says, come and do with us on Sunday. Do we get caught up in those things? And if we do, what are we teaching our children? What are we teaching the next generation? Churches are already emptying out. What will they look like in another generation when our children have seen our example and they stay away for any old reason? Honour the Sabbath day and keep it holy unto the Lord. Give Him honour by your obedience. I want to end this morning with a definition of 
true religion from the Old Testament. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. I put it here very big for you to see as well. What is true religion? Here it is. Micah 6 verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Here it is. But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Do you want to say that with me? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's be obedient to the Lord as Wanganui East Baptist Church and honor His name and glorify His name. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we are weak human beings, Lord. So quickly we get caught up in all kinds of things around us and we take our eyes off You, Lord Jesus. And we put our eyes on the pleasures of this world. We put our eyes on our own pleasures. And we forget that we are here to glorify Your name. We are here to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And to be true disciples of Him. And you said, who are my true disciples? Those who do my commandments. But Lord, so quickly we stumble over those. And we start doing our own thing. Lord, forgive us, I pray. May we refocus our priorities in you. May we be servants of the Almighty God. Servants who are willing to serve their Master at all costs. Serving our Master the way we should be serving, the way you've told us to serve you. May we give you glory through the way we are obedient to you. Lord, help us. Help us as a church, but help us as individuals as well. So that Jesus Christ and the Gospel of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed from this place and from our lives. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. We're going to end with that beautiful old hymn again. So please stand. We're going to just sing three verses this time. All people that on earth dwell, now think of what we've just heard from God's Word. Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with fear. His praise, praise forth tell. That's proclaim. That's announce. Come ye before Him and rejoice. We've heard His Word. Now let's respond and rejoice before Him. And then the reasons are there for why the Lord our God is good. Let's sing to His praise.
Now unto him who is able to keep 